Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast. I'm Haley Luckadoo, educator, website designer, wedding planner, and big dreamer who took a hobby business born out of a college dorm room and turned it into a successful multi-business empire. I run on hard work and Dr. Pepper, and if it comes in pink, you better believe I want it. This podcast is for women in almost any industry who want the resources and inspiration to do what sets their soul on fire. I'll interview women who are exceptional at what they do to bring you the tools and knowledge that you need to succeed and to create the life you dream of. Welcome to another episode of Females on Fire. Today, we are going to talk all about finding your purpose and mastering your message. And of course, we have an expert on with us today. We have branding strategist and coach Maya Elias, and she is going to be giving all of her expert advice on this subject. So Maya, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Haley. I'm so excited to join you guys today. We're definitely excited to have you. I think this is going to be a really fun topic to talk about. Yes, I'm excited. I love talking about purpose and messaging. I could talk about it all day. (laughs) I love it. I love your passion. So first of all, tell everybody about you. How did you get started and how did you get into working with women on finding their purpose? Yeah. So it's interesting because right before, you know, I hopped on this for us to um, do this interview, I was reading one of my Facebook ad captions and I was telling a little bit of my story, like how I started out with MySpace and making club flyers. And I'm like, who would have thought that I would go on to impact over 20,000 women in the online space? So it's, it's so interesting thinking about how far I've come. But um, I started making money professionally back in 2008 by creating custom MySpace pages, creating club flyers. Um, and I even shot a little bit of photography for nightlife events, which is interesting and something I forget about sometimes. But um, I've always been really interested and excited about creating fun things on the internet. I feel like the internet was getting bigger as I grew up. I'm a 90s baby. So I think around like five or six, I was like always playing around with like little AOL games and stuff like that. I was in um, just like little chat rooms and stuff as I got older, maybe like 12, 13, 14. I was like playing games on like Yahoo that was also back when like Angel Fire was a thing if you remember any of those like little websites that you could build yourself and then I eventually um created my own MySpace page I think maybe when I was like 15 like 14 15 like high school age and um there were these two girls that I that lived in my town that I was cool with their names were Amber and Ashley they were sisters And they were actually the first people that I saw to make custom MySpace pages and charge money for it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. And so I learned how to custom code my own MySpace page for it. I wasn't charging any money at the time. I was just playing around and, you know, making my own page look pretty and making myself look cool. And I didn't even realize that's what branding was at the time, right? Like branding is really just thinking about the persona that you want to give off, right? And hopefully you're doing it with integrity, but thinking about the person that you want people to see and then creating a platform so that way 
you're sending out the right message to people of who you want to be. So I wanted people to think like I was this cool girl. And so my MySpace would look like that. I would custom code it and make it look awesome. And I did that for years in high school. And when I was 18, I went to a community college in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I met this guy and he was like, hey, do you know how to make custom MySpace pages? And I was like, yeah. And he paid me $50 to do one for him. And I was like, oh my gosh, like people would actually pay me to do this. Like I was already doing it for fun. Um, so that's really how I started making money professionally. And then, um, I also met a guy through MySpace who had like, I guess it was like a modeling agency. He managed a lot of the like reality TV stars from VH1's, um, like dating shows, like for the love of Ray J or real chance of love. And so those were like my first set of clients and I would make their MySpace pages and position them as like models to get booked and stuff like that. And again, I really had no concept of branding at the time, but looking back now, I understand that I was building their MySpace in order to build their brand and position them, you know, to get hired for other modeling gigs or like other reality TV shows and stuff. So it's just interesting thinking that those were my humble beginnings. And even though I didn't know really the value that I was providing. I didn't really know that the term was branding. It was cool to see that I was just willing to do the work and I was getting paid for it. That's awesome. I think my favorite thing of that whole story was that you got started on MySpace. As soon as you said MySpace, I was like, oh my gosh, MySpace. I forgot about that. I love it. I'm a 90s kid too. So, you know, Mm -hmm. grew up on MySpace. So I love it. Right. Yeah. So that was my humble beginnings. And then I also dabbled in a bunch of things. So if there's anybody listening, that's a creative and you're probably like, well, how do I find that one thing? Cause you know, that's what a lot of my clients ask me. Cause when you do transition into like charging high end and stuff, it's, it's usually because you're in a very clear and specific niche. But at the time I didn't know anything about, you know, niching down and being specific and having a target market. I just knew that I liked making MySpace pages and people were coming to me for it. You know, I think, looking back now, like my niche at the time was MySpace pages for reality TV stars and um, musicians, but I didn't know that at the time. So I also dabbled into um, photography. I decided to take a photography class and I'm like, well, if I can, you know, do photography for some of my clients and that would be a good look. And I was also creating like club flyers. Like I was making anything that required me to use Photoshop. And so it was like, if I could make it in Photoshop, I would try to sell it. Um, And then from MySpace, I went on to be like a professional web and graphic designer. So the story with that is I'm like, okay, if I can custom code a MySpace page, I could probably figure out how to make a website. And so I started telling people I was a web designer, even though I had never created a website before. And I remember um, this lady paying me, her name's Ayana Mack. She's a radio host in Houston. And this was probably about nine years ago now. And she paid me $300 to make her website. And that was the most amount of money I had ever made at one time. Because people were only paying me between like $35 to $55 for MySpace pages and paying me like $10 to $20 for club flyers when I was starting out. So I'm like, oh my God, $300, like this is so much money. And I'm like, okay, well, now I actually have to figure out how to make a website. So I went on YouTube, like I did with everything else, and I figured it out. And so I love that, like, I just had so much hunger and drive when I was younger. And I think I can attribute that to the fact that I couldn't really compare myself to that many people. Like, 
anybody that was doing what I was doing, it was more so I was inspired by them instead of comparing myself to them because it's not bombarded in our faces now like it is with Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest. All of that stuff wasn't even really around in 2008, 2009. Like it was just coming into the scene, but it wasn't as heavy as it is now. So I was able to, I had the luxury of not feeling like I was comparing myself to anybody. Right. I think that's so true. And you mentioned that, you know, you kind of found your niche without really even knowing that you were in a niche. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize, especially when they're starting out in business is, you know, you hear all of this advice from experts about, oh, you've got to find your target audience. You've got to find your ideal client. You've got to niche down into something. And I feel like starting out, there's so much pressure on you know, business owners and entrepreneurs to find that niche and find that perfect ideal client that we forget that we can still make money without that person. Mm -hmm. And we've got to put those things into practice and and try out a few different audiences to find the right one. So I I love that you kind of mentioned that because I think that's just a nice little reminder to anybody getting started that you've got to kind of play around with it a little bit. And, you know, even if this isn't the niche that you end up in, you know, maybe try it out for a little while and see how it works for you because you might be surprised. Right, exactly. And I think, like, we just need to be able to have fun with it sometimes, right? Like, fortunately, since I did start so young, it wasn't like I have to make a lot of money. It was like my dad was still paying my bills at 18. So I really enjoyed just playing around with what I was doing, having fun with what I was doing, and allowing myself to like refine my brain and transform into who I ultimately am now. But I really think it's about like releasing yourself of the pressure to always have to get it right and just enjoy it and then see what sticks and pay attention to what you do really well. And I think a lot of people, they want to be so good at what they do and they want to be really perfect at what they do, but they sit around overthinking how to do the right thing instead of just practicing and allowing themselves to mess up and allowing themselves to have fun until they stumble across what the right thing is for them. Definitely. I totally agree with that. And I think too, starting out, if, I mean, if you don't love it when you're first starting and when it's exciting and you've got that adrenaline rush from starting a business, you're really not going to love it later down the road when it actually gets hard. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. So it's like, if you're not excited about it, then there's just really no point in doing it. Like I always tell people, if you're really just in this to make money, then you might as well just go be an Uber driver. Like there's a million and one ways to make money out here, but if you're not doing it because you enjoy it, then there's no point in doing it. Like it's easy to make money, honestly, like go fill out a job application, get a job, go sign up for Uber, go do whatever it is. But make sure that you're enjoying it as well. Like, don't put so much pressure on yourself to be perfect. Yes, 100%. 100%. I think that's such a great reminder. So let's dive into this idea of mastering your message because you say that a lot and, you know, we hear it around. So what do you actually mean when you say that? And why do you think it's so important to really master the message that you're putting out into the world? So the reason messaging is so important to me and how I even like stumbled across this part of branding is when I transitioned into web design, I would get clients that were excited to pay me and they, they really wanted a website to, of course, position themselves as experts and have a platform where people would buy their products or trust them and, you know, buy their services. 
And so for any web designers listening, you're going to feel the pain that I felt. <laughs> you're going to totally resonate with what I'm about to say. Um, the issue with that I always ran to as a web designer is I would need content from my clients. Like, hey, send me the pictures that you want and send me your about page and send me the information for your contact page. And they just didn't know what to send me or if they did send it to me i'm like none of this actually makes sense they were really 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 bad at just providing content providing copy that actually would resonate with people that would go on their website and then so what would happen is a year later if that they would go out of business like i would go back to the website and i want to be up and i hated that as a web designer because that made my portfolio look bad like none of my clients are staying in business like what's really going on and so I realized that just because my clients were putting up websites, that wasn't enough to keep them in business. That didn't mean that people would actually go to their website. It didn't mean that people would actually go to the website and then purchase from them. So what was really important for me was teaching my clients first how to drive traffic to their websites. And then once they had eyes on their websites, it was important that people understood what they did and people understood the value of what they were selling. And that's why messaging is so important. Like there's the saying, if you build it, they will come. Okay. So if you build it and they come, then what are they doing from that point? And your message is going to determine the next steps of what they do when they do show up. That's a really good point. I've heard that saying a lot and I've never, never thought about the next steps. I think a lot of us hear that and we're like, Oh, we just have to throw up a website. Like you said, and, and, you know, I just need a website. I just need a logo. I just need a name and, and people will show up, but you don't think about, okay, they've shown up now. What? So <laughs> right. I, I, I love that you took that a step further. That's awesome. So how do you think our story and our, our own personal journey actually influences the message that we have and the content that we're creating? Oh, I definitely think our story is so important to pay attention to. And I think it's hard for people to really think about their story because a lot of us downplay our experiences. A lot of us downplay all of the things that we have survived and we have gone through. So when we try to think back to it, like we really skip over the important things that would click with other people that we've gone through. So I think thinking about your story, think about like, you know, what was something meaningful to you? What are some experiences you've dealt with? even if it just seems little, like people just love hearing a good story. This is why reality TV isn't going anywhere. This is why Snapchat was so popular. This is why Instagram stories was popular. Like people just want to know your story and to see who they can connect with. Like we are people and we thrive in communities and we have a natural desire to want to connect with people. And we connect with people based on our personalities and who we are to the core and our story and what we've been through and our experiences. So I think understanding your story first is really important and then figuring out how your story aligns with your service or your product and the type of people that you want buying from you. Definitely. I think that's so true. I, when it all boils down to it, I think we all just really want to, like you said, connect with other people and just, you know, buy from people that we feel comfortable with and work with people that we like to be around or that we you know, feel like, oh, we could be friends in real life. And so I feel like you're, you're definitely right about all the, the social media and, and reality TV not going anywhere. Cause I feel like we, you know, even in business, like 
it's all about connections and it's all about Mm -hmm. how you impact people and how they feel buying from you and talking to you and working with you. Right. Exactly. It's like, and a lot of people are like, when they're thinking about what type of content to post on their Instagram and stuff, they're like, well, I don't want to just take a picture of my food and post it. And I'm like, but that's a part of your story too. Like, again, the little things that seem so insignificant are going to be the things that really make the biggest impact for people like, well, I trust her because she also eats oatmeal in the morning, or I trust her because she's also vegan, or I trust her because whatever. Like, we think it's that heavy business strategy that's going to get us to the next level or always giving out the best tips and tricks regarding our industry. And it's like, of course that stuff is good and it positions you as an expert, but it's like, allow me to see the human side of you, right? Like you need to be able to find that balance of being an expert and being a human and know how to merge those two things. Definitely true. For sure. So you mentioned, you know, impacting people. So what do you think is that like first step to really like finding your purpose? Cause I know you talk about that a lot and finding your voice and turning that into a business practice that actually impacts somebody else. Yeah. So I think when it comes to finding your purpose, it goes back to the, just like consistently doing the work and having fun without trying to put a lot of pressure on yourself. Like I think it's hard for people to find their purpose when all they're focused on is finding their purpose. (laughs) And I think it's easier for people to find their purpose when they're simply just doing what feels right to them and they're serving other people while doing it. So for me, like if I would have sat around and, you know, just went to class every single day and just kind of done like the mundane stuff, like, okay, I'm waking up, I'm going to school, I'm coming home, I'm doing homework. And then I would be one of those people that's like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? But it was like, okay, I'm waking up, I'm going to school, I'm playing around on Photoshop, I'm creating MySpace pages for people. This is really fun. I didn't realize that my purpose was helping people position themselves in the online space. I never would have figured that out until I consistently accepted clients, I consistently created MySpace pages, I consistently, you know, created websites and graphics. Like I learned my purpose through the doing, not the sitting around and the thinking and the wondering and the hoping and the praying and asking God, why am I here? Why am I here? It's just like, if you just do and you serve people and you have good intentions with what you do, you're going to figure out what makes the most sense for you. I feel like my purpose has evolved over the years. I think my purpose has always been the same. I think the way that I have activated my purpose has looked different, right? So as I've developed just even as a person and as an entrepreneur, how I how I walk in my purpose looks different. So when I first started, my purpose was, you know, helping people with MySpace. Then as I progressed, it was with websites. Then as I progressed, it was teaching people how to start a blog. Then as I progressed, it was, you know, giving people business strategies. So even though I'm selling different things and my passion is shifting a little bit. The purpose has always been to work with women and help them grow their businesses and to make money. I love what you just said about how your purpose has evolved. I think that's where a lot of people get confused because I feel like, you know, starting out, we kind of have this, like I said earlier, adrenaline rush of starting a business, you know, and we're like looking for our purpose. We know we're supposed to find our purpose. And eventually you find something that sticks and something you enjoy. And so you do it for a little while and then 
as industries evolve and as trends evolve and as more people, you know, come onto the scene or start doing different things, we forget that we kind of have to evolve with it. And so I feel like, you know, a lot of people find their purpose and then they're almost afraid of change and afraid to have to do something different and feel like they have to find their purpose all over again. So I love that you just mentioned, you know, that your purpose has always been the same, but it's just evolved over time with how you're actually implementing it. Because I think that's what a lot of people forget that, you know, once you find your purpose, you still have to do something different. You've got to try something new. You've got to kind of go where, where the people are. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I'm always thinking about how can I make the highest level of impact. And that's really what it's about, right? So when I was a web and graphic designer and before I fully understood how to teach strategy, my highest level of impact was as a web and graphic designer. Now it's not. Like if I was to try to make a website for somebody, it would you know, it would be really good, but there's more to me now where it's like, that's not my highest level of purpose being a web and graphic designer. Now my highest level of purpose is, you know, teaching strategy and helping people people create like high-end programs or launch high-end services, but it's always about how am I making the highest level of impact and that, and you have to, again, like you said, learn how to pivot. Like, am I impacting people through online courses? Am I impacting people through live events? Am I impacting people through my book? But you need to be really clear on okay, what is the purpose, first and foremost? Like, what's the difference that I want to make? What's the outcome that I want to see when I communicate with my ideal client or my target audience? And then what's the best way for me to be able to make that transformation? What's the best way for me to create that impact? And you need to be honest with yourself because I think it's hard for us to want to level up and do something scarier. Like it was hard for me when I decided I didn't want to design anymore because I had done it consistently for about like seven years. So going from design to strategy was a little bit scary. So you might have to even look at your life and say, what do I know I need to step into to really go deeper with my purpose, to go deeper with the transformation I want to make, to go deeper with my impact. I think you need to be really honest about what that next level impact looks like for you. Yeah, definitely agree. And I mean, for you, even you're a perfect example. I mean, you started out on MySpace and found this little niche that you didn't even really know you were working in. And I mean, you even said you didn't know that's really what branding was at the time. You just knew that it was something you could do and you can make a little money and you enjoyed doing it. Well, MySpace still exists, but nobody's really using it. So if you had <laughs> right, never right. if you had never said, Okay, how can I turn this into a business? How can I make more money doing this? How can I impact more people? Then you'd still be trying to find clients on MySpace and let's face it, that <laughs> wouldn't be going very well for you. So Right. So exactly. I think I think you're so right that you just have to, you know, find that sweet spot and learn how to pivot and learn how to take that next step and, you know, do more work and do something scarier and interact with more people. And I mean, that's the only way that you're going to impact the masses. Right. Absolutely. Just just be willing to do the scary thing in the name of purpose. (laughs) Exactly. So how do you think we can create content that's really clearly working in line with our message and that purpose that we talked about? How do you, you know, instead of just throwing content out into the world that maybe doesn't necessarily align with us, how do we make sure that we're really creating content that's impacting our audience and that aligns with that brand? 
Mm. You know what? I think it's definitely just actually being intentional about having conversations with your audience or your community or your followers. Like a lot of us, we get down that we don't get engagement and it's like, well, are you even saying anything engaging? Are you asking questions? Like I'm constantly asking my audience questions again, even if it has nothing to do with my expertise. Like I might ask them, you know, what's your favorite thing to do on a Saturday? Go to brunch or go to the movies? Like, I'm just always wondering what's going on in their mind so I can know how to best relate to them and to best serve them. Like, you need to be able to serve, but you also need to be relatable. Like, people don't just come to me because I'm excellent in what I do as a brand strategist. They come to me because, yes, I'm excellent, but I'm also relatable. They feel like I get them. So when you're creating content, you always want to think about, who am I talking to? And when you think about that person, you need to actually know that person. Like, I feel like I know the people that follow me. I feel like I know the people that buy from me because I take the time to get to know them. So if you're struggling to create content, it's because you're not consistently having conversations with the people in your community. Because that's how I look at content. For me, content is just a constant conversation that I'm having with my followers and I'm providing for them and I'm asking them questions. Right. I think that's the important thing to remember too, is that it's not about you. Right. Exactly. Like it's not about me. It's about how I can serve other people. Like the only, the only time I'm relevant in this conversation is like, how am I serving? (laughs) But that's, that's literally it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, a lot of times we get caught up in all of these things that we have to do. I've got to be on Instagram. I've got to be on Facebook. I've got to be on Pinterest. I've got to, you know, do my taxes. I've got to make sure that I'm, you know, selling this much money every month. I mean, I think at some point we lose sight of the fact that you're talking to somebody specific. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once you've, you've found that niche or you've found that audience that you really enjoy working with and that, like you said, can relate to you, you've got to really focus on actually speaking to them and not just putting out content to be putting out content. I like what you said about it being intentional. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important part of content creation in general. Right, exactly. And then for you know anybody listening that's like, well, I don't have a huge following yet, or I don't have an email list and stuff like that. Because I mean, obviously, it becomes easier once your following is really huge. But if you don't have that yet, like just think about the everyday conversations you have now. Like if there's something that you're passionate about and there's something that you're really good at doing, there's a chance that you run into somebody and you've had a conversation with somebody that's like, oh, I need help with this. Or you know somebody in your life that needs to hear specific advice. Like think about that person until you start attracting more versions of that person to speak to on a larger level. For sure. I think that goes back to, to just quality over quantity. You know, I feel like, you know, if you've got that one person that's ride or die for you, following you, they, you know, answer every poll you put out on Instagram stories and listen to every podcast episode and they're tuning into everything. It's so much better to know what they need and actually provide them that content and that resource instead of just sort of throwing spaghetti noodles at a wall, waiting on something to stick with a larger audience. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like when you can really appreciate the first 10, 
then it'll be easier for you to get the first hundred and then it'll be easier for you to get the next thousand and then to 10,000 and 20,000 and 30,000. But it's like, if you don't even know how to connect with the 10 people that are following you, what makes you think you're going to do a good job connecting with 1000 people? Like it really is about how can I serve the little rather than trying to focus on the quantity? Definitely. I totally agree. So any last advice on just, you know, building a business that really is making an impact on your audience? My advice would be, again, to always just think about who you want to serve and think about the type of impact that you want to make. And so what I do specifically is I help people send like sell high end services. So like coaching programs, or if you're a designer and you're selling like packages, um, for me, it's important for people to sell high end because it's like that $50 thing that you're putting out because you're scared people can't afford more than $50. Is it really going to have the same level of impact if you just really went all the way and sold the $500 thing? Like, that's why I'm always saying just do what's scary because it's probably going to make a bigger impact than what you're putting out there out of fear and like out of complacency. Like do the scary thing and always think, am I making the highest level of impact or am I just doing what's comfortable and what's not scary? I love that. I definitely think that's good advice for sure. (laughs) Thank you. So at the end of every episode, we do a just fun little speed round. So I have a couple of questions for you. So are you ready? Yep. Let's do it. All right. What is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? I talk to God. I say something random and I thank him. So yesterday I was supposed to get a a 6.30 workout and I woke up at six and I was so tired and I wanted to hit snooze. And I was just like, thank you, God, that I have a healthy body that I can work out with. And then I got out of bed. I love that coming from (laughs) a place of gratitude. That's good. Yes, absolutely. What is the last book that you read? The last book that I read was Atomic Habits by James Clear. I just reread it for the second time and finished it two days ago. I love that one. I've read it. I love it. It's so good. It gets me going. I'm like, I'm going to be the best version of myself. I'm having all of the good habits. It like totally changes everything when I read that book. For sure. It definitely does. It's (laughs) very motivational for sure. What is one item or product that you recommend to everybody? (laughs) You're talking to the person who believes in targeting and niching down. I I don't know if I could consider one product that I would suggest to everybody because I'm like well it might not be for everybody that's a good point that's a good point yeah that's true well what's one product or item that you just really love man that's kind of a hard question because I'm really not a like material person so it's hard for me to say like if I were to recommend something to everybody it would be a book it would be a mindset book maybe the power of the subconscious mind by Joseph Murphy I would recommend that to anybody like Focusing on mindset and spirituality combined was huge for me. And so that book was a game changer. It made me really feel like I can do anything. Like I'm unstoppable. That's a good choice. I like it. I like it. All right. Last question. What is your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that somebody's ever given you? Ooh, I wish I was better at names because like I'll quote something and I just won't know who it's from or like I'll reference scripture and just won't know anywhere in the Bible where it's at. Um, (laughs) So I'll just give first thing that comes to mind since I was talking about my dad this morning with my trainer is 
my dad always told me to never feel sorry for myself. And I think that has really shaped a lot of who I am. Like one thing I pride myself in is never being or staying in victim mode. And it really gives me control over my actions and what I do and gives me control over my success. So I think I'll quote my dad, Matt Elias, never feel sorry for yourself. (laughs) I love that. That's a good one. That's a really good one. I always love when I ask that question and people quote like their parents because it just feels more personal than like quoting something you saw on Pinterest. Right. Yeah, exactly. And he used to say it to me every day driving me to school in high school. So I'm going to, I'm still holding on to it, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Good choice. Good choice. So tell everybody where they can find you. What's your website, social media, where do you want them to follow along? Yes. So follow me on Instagram at my Elias. That's where I am the most active and always talking to you guys, always posting fun stories. So watch my stories and reply to me so we can get to know each other. Awesome. Well, Maya, thank you so much for just coming on and giving us a little of your time and this expert advice. Cause I feel like this is definitely a conversation that applies to anyone, but especially anyone who's thinking about going into business for themselves or who already owns a business. And I feel like it's one of those conversations that not enough people are talking about and not really diving into the specifics. So I'm really glad that we got to hear from you today. Mm, Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This was really fun. That's it for this time, ladies. But if you have just a minute, it would make my day if you would write a review and share how much you love this podcast so that we can keep bringing you the best of the best. If you're not already subscribed to the newsletter or following along on Instagram, you can find me at Haley Luckadoo on all social media and at HaleyLuckadoo.net for this episode's show notes, the blog, the shop, and pretty much all the good stuff. I'll be bringing you a new episode very soon, but until then, Keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire.